This is Coto Radio, episode 286, for December 8th, 2017. everyone, and welcome to Coder Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show, taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and its related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on, but for a moment, if I could, I'll tell you about us. My name is Chris, and join us every single stinking week, because it's his damn show. It's our host, Mr. Dominic. Hello, Mike. Misa, here you dirty man! Oh, wait, what? Charge on! You know, in your corner. Every, ever, ever since you got down to Florida, he's been coming back. Have you noticed that? Well, I, I think Jar-Jar I think he came back via a boat or something. Listen, <laughs> let me tell you something. There are two reptilian creatures living with me in Florida. Jar Jar Binks, uh-huh. who is too dumb to know that he did something wrong, and I call him Uncle Y, <laughs> otherwise known as Master Yoda. Uh, There's a lot going on today. Are you like? Uh, I've, I am tingling with anticipation for today's show because not only is it so much, two, so much two eighty six, which reminds me of one of my first favorite Intel processors. Uh, so that's sixty six. That's oh, wait, what? what? Um, and uh, uh, we've got um, a new recording setup we're using. So there's some technical changes here on the back end, and the first show I've recorded with the new studio dog in studio right now. We got a studio dog hey. this week, and. Oh, what kind of dog? That's the most important thing. You you buried the lead. It's, what a, kind it's, of a, dog? it's a little terrier mix, a little 12-pound terrier mix. He's over oh. in the corner so, chewing on a stick right now. Uh, oh, he's a puppy whoppy. Yeah, I hope yeah. he barks. You know, my dog hasn't barked. I, mean, I, ha- I, have, I haven't had him for maybe even 12 hours, maybe more. But uh, he, he has oh. not barked yet. He has not barked yet, except for he gave a little woof when he got into the, to yeah. the junkyard for the first time and we let him run around because we have the whole thing fenced in. He got a little woof, but... Uh, so. Long-time listeners will know that I used to have a beagle. Mm, oh, they howl, don't they? Ooh. Oh, he was my man. I, I think poor Rikai was editing out howls half the time in the, the <laughs> FedEx man. <laughs> and now I have two little what are called Tibetan Spaniels. Oh. Uh, they don't howl as much as basically order you around as though they were cats. That is a funny like, way to put it. Go get me water, you know, kind of thing. Uh, but no, congratulations on the new pup. Now, what, what compelled you to buy a pup for the studio? Well, um, uh, it is uh, it's a rescue. So what happened is, is uh, you know, down in Texas, um, there has been just tons and tons of flooding, just even just a few months ago. But it like that's that's the leg time it takes to rescue these dogs and then start distributing them throughout the country. And so they the the rescue centers around here are just overwhelmed with dogs from Texas right now. And um, so we've been thinking about it just because, you know, we've got the three kids he can play with and we travel around in the RV. And so it'd just be really – and I work here at the studio, so and it, I just – I let him go in the backyard and play around. So, you know, it seemed like a good uh, – it seemed like a – it seemed like we could do it. Like, if, uh, you know, okay, yeah, we were candidates possibly. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm excited. See, this is what's great about you and I, fellow conservatives, protecting people out of charity. Oh, you're looping me now. You see, I don't want to be. I don't want to be in your. Uh, what do you call it? What you do you call that? Join I don't want Twitter your. Stream? I don't buy into your Pepsi Coke reality, young man. That's what it is. 
<laughs> you're corporatist. You have corporatist and you have corporatist. But we shouldn't. You know, I was going to say before we really start off the show, I've noticed that you you've sort of had a coming out of recently, or not recently, but a more and more a coming evolving out. coming out. out. Yeah, you know, you're you're you're, con- you're letting your conservative flag fly, which I find to be fascinating, considering it's almost like more polarizing than ever. So it seems like if you're ever going to be a, a closet conservative, now would be the time. But I, I, I amend I, – or not amend. I uh, applaud, I guess. You're, uh, you're coming out. So I did not intend to talk about this today, but we can do that if we want. You, well, Twitter, we could, should we save it? Twitter, Twitter. We could save it, and if we get through everything else – I mean I don't know because we do have a lot to, to cover today. I think – you know what? People – You want to just bust? Let's bust it. Let's do it. So, so, so a little behind the music here, right? I base what I put in the show notes purely on like tweet replies, right? So – even if they're hostile, angry, go kill yourself in a bathroom in Penn Station tweet replies, I guess we should still respond. Or how um, dare yes. you was the other one you might get from <laughs> Whatever well, it is, how you, dare you? Yeah, like, so I, I am a firm believer in low taxes and military spending, right? Like good military spending. Um and that's probably where that ends. But it's so interesting to see how, especially in tech, how polarizing these views have become. Yeah, I think it's. And I, I think it, I would say if there's a common if there's a common leaning, it seems in tech it would be probably liberal, just because you got your Googles and your Apples, which are major players, and they're pretty publicly about their political views. Which is weird, though. They're publicly about like their social views, but they, you know they'll fight for a tax cut like everybody else. Well, right? That is true. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's all. Yeah. 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 So, um, yes, it is true that I am. I, I do say follow I'm you like, to a degree because you know it's like here's if you want to know what it's like to own your own small business, I'll sum it up to you in just one phrase. It's rather the, hear your perspective. It's yeah. the holidays, so you know what I'm doing. Of course, is I'm saving up for taxes next year. Yeah, that's what I'm. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so Christmas is not a gift giving season if you own a small business. It's more of a. How much am I going to be shooken down? It's more of a guilt inducing. It's a it's a it's a period of guilt inducing where where I as somebody who used to make what I consider a decent living doing uh, IT contracting um, to where I was uh, one year for, you know, for my mom's birthday, I bought her an iMac for her birthday, you know, and I would get my dad like something cool. Like I was really very generous because, you know, it was nice to be able to give back to my family. And so now I'm coming up with like, a, well, uh, <clears throat> here's a $25 gift certificate to Outback Steakhouse, Dad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I just no, feel awful I, about it. Yeah, I mean, you're triggering me, man. Quarterly right. payroll taxes. Well, but right. it, it, no, it's, it's a thing. So like, okay, all I will say and is when that you, When you own a small business, you just have a different perspective a lot of times or even a large well, business. You have a, no, I, yeah, when you sign the paychecks – you realize that like abolishing a bunch of taxes would actually make you hire more people, right? And that only counts for really small companies because I get it. Big companies do all kinds of crazy shit in Ireland, like the what is it, the Irish double dutch, whatever. Yeah, and if you cut their taxes, but, they just buy back more stock. They just buy back more stock. But like when when you're the sole owner of the company, it's like your stock is worthless. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so and there is a ton it, of small businesses, so it could make a big yeah. It, it, it like it's a thing. Like my 
like my Obamacare is going up to twelve hundred a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how this. And boy, we really should. This is, I guess, Which, the reason why we're talking about this is because this is legitimately the aspects that you no, have. No, 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 this is legit. Like this yeah. is the art and business. This is the yeah. business side. So yeah. I was going to hire three people in the next ninety days, and I'm now not going to. Oh, hire so you're going to you're going to? I guess yeah, you probably should. I've decided mine's going up too. Uh, by yeah. by almost two hundred dollars, and that's on top of oh, a five more than double. Yeah. So I'm losing all of my subsidy plus it's going up. And I have a yeah. I have a five thousand dollar deductible on top of that. And so, um, and you know the thing is, is that Hadia owns her own business too, and she and I are both pretty convinced we're not going to buy health insurance. It is even though she has diabetes, it is cheaper for her to just pay for her stuff out of pocket, off of Amazon, than it right. is to pay for insurance. And and then she's going to pay for uh, alternative care out of pocket, um, and you know this isn't something that we've come to lightly. This is you know, on top of taxes and what we're paying as small business owners for our own purse because nobody's nobody's helping pay for our insurance, right? We're paying for all of it out of pocket. Right. And well, that's, I'm paying it all out of pocket. Right. That's exactly what I'm doing. Right. For my for Laura and uh, my son Reese. Really, right? like I'm at a point where if anything else were really to change dramatically, I got no room to give. Like I'm giving up. I'm giving up my health insurance, and uh, you know, I just, I'm, this is not something I'm just doing on a whim. Yeah. So, so, so it's interesting. The conversation went diff- differently in our household because, like, so with the heart condition, which is called tricuspid atresia, um, the way you die is this is the clinical term: sudden death. You just oh. like fall down. God, really? Well, I guess uh, in some ways, yeah. you know, I'll take that over long suffering. No, it's quick, but the problem is you could also take a heart attack that quick, as I did once before. Yeah. And the last time I did that with no insurance, it was seventy-five thousand dollars. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I know. I know. So you know, I'm in a position where this is not a free market. They could ask me for virtually any amount of money, and I'd have to pay it. Well, see, right? I feel like if because of the deductible and the cost, the yearly. Oh, cost, I'll pay my entire deductible. Yeah, I'll pay uh, the. It's like six thousand. You know, yeah, yeah, for sure. If I if I was paying my deductible every year. The thing is, I haven't paid off my deductible in six, seven years. So for six or seven years now, I haven't paid off my deductible. Um, and so uh, it, to me, it's a different... It's almost like I, if I go... If I went in, even with health insurance, I'd probably be bankrupted. So I, I kind of get bankrupted either way. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm bankrupted one way, and I'm bankrupted the other way. But one way is a for sure bankruptcy, and the other way is a, well, if something awful happens to me that hasn't happened in the last yeah. six years. I, 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 when, I, when I was in the hospital, uh, and, and we were during the show in 2015, I took two heart attacks. I, I literally thought about filing for bankruptcy, but didn't because you can't discharge student loans. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like okay. that was the well, only reason I didn't wow. do it. That's a topic for a yeah. whole other show. Yeah. 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 So, like, let me, let me put it this way Jimmy Kimmel went on TV and bitched about his somewhat heart condition. I have a much worse heart condition. And Jimmy Kimmel has the money. You better move right? to Canada, like, dude. No, it, it honestly, it. These are the things, like, and I've been listening. All right, let me, let me just hit this. Can I hit this real yeah, quick? Yeah. So like I've been torturing myself listening to Ezra Klein and Crooked Media and Fox and all that shit. They talk about pass-through corporations as though they're like some crooked enterprise. Most small businesses that can be S-Corps, which is what a pass-through is, are, or an LLC, right? Most of them are like the local guy who makes you muffins. Mm-hmm. Like let's not be silly here. There's a big, big difference between large companies yep. – that employ tons of people and yeah. have tons of money, and, and the burger small place, companies. the coffee shop, and, the the auto parts and, store. Right, and let me tell you what the big difference is: the relationship with their bank. 
I could I have enough money in the bank right now, theoretically, that I should be able to buy, uh, you know, like I could like buy a house, right? But my bank won't talk to me. Because mm. we're you're too small, you're too unstable. Mm-hmm. That is the difference, right? The difference is businesses with credit and businesses without. Yeah. It doesn't matter what their capital position is. That is the only difference. Yeah. So, you know, if you, it, particularly like I'm from New Jersey, if you before he was president, the current president, he did all that shit on credit, like in Atlantic City in particular. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. None of that was cash. Right. Like not a penny. You, are, I think, are like me, and you operate on a purely cash basis. Yeah, or, or so Bitcoin converted to cash. <laughs> right. Well, you, 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 you hit it when you struck on Bitcoin. I, I did not believe in it, and I still don't believe in it. But So, like, in a lot of ways, when you're operating in a real cash economy, mm-hmm. things are more constrained. Um, and that makes these outrageous healthcare costs, outrageous taxes, just like completely untenable. And that's the end of the Ezra Klein show for today. All right. Well, then should we get to the tech uh, of this part of the show? We got some feedback from last week where Mike and I took a few days on Windows 10 after Mike got the HP Spectre. And uh, we went back and forth on setting up our workflow, some of the impressions we had, some of the things we were impressed by, some of the things we found to be challenging. And Aphyxia Web says, please give me a wasted year back. I just did the same thing. Don't tell anyone, but at the end of the day, I ended up buying a maxed-out MacBook. Uh, he says, I, I got Arch, I tried Dell, Developer, anything. I did Hackintoshes. I did Windows subsystem on Windows 10. Uh, he says, it was just a huge amount of unproductive, to- unproductive time I spent on trying to get a cheaper laptop working that barely got me five hours of battery life. And then he said some of the solutions don't even touch some of the apps that he likes on the Mac, like Airmail 3, which is his favorite email program, Photoshop, etc. He said he tried setting up Q- QMU, that's a, you know, a, a virtualizer with GPU pass-through, but of course after a kernel update, things would break and he wasted 10 hours trying to fix it. So he said, sure, I could have saved $1,500 by going with the $1,700 PC. Uh, but after uh, a year of trying to get a workflow working under Windows 10 with the Linux subsystem, Hackintosh, Ubuntu's, and Arches, um, I just couldn't get the workflow right. And at the end of the day, I maxed out a MacBook Pro. I have it hooked up to four monitors. I can sign iOS apps. I can compile Android and Mac apps and run some of the most intuitive workflow processes I've ever seen. Alfred and Homebrew? Hello? Love the struggle, though, but it kind of hit close to home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So cl- I just recently installed Alfred myself. Oh, really? So what is uh, Alfred? I don't really – is Alfred like a launcher? Alfred is – yeah, it's like a launcher. I, I use it to replace Spotlight. Um, oh, okay. Like I, I actually have it take the command space is it uh, as, key cap. Mm, is it a good launcher? I, I'm, I wouldn't classify Spotify as a great launcher for, in my experience. I don't use you, it a ton, but I, I wouldn't. You mean – you mean Spotlight? Oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, sorry, Spotlight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so Alfred does everything Spotlight does a little faster, and with uh, additional automation things. So you can write like like scripts and workflows for Alfred. Ooh. I am not that hardcore into it. I just like the fact that it's simply faster and more reliable. Yeah, and it's just like a Spotlight. keystroke away, and bam, you're going. Right, it's command space away. Uh huh. Um, yeah, so Alfred, huh? Well, maybe through Mac users out there, give that a try. You have to get the Power Pack. There's like two products, Alfred and the Power Pack. 
the Power Pack gives you a lot more flexibility. I feel like, I feel like there's so many tools out there for the Mac these days that you could end up handicapping yourself in a way by depending on all these different tools to make Mac OS usable. But, you know, I suppose as long as you don't have to reload that often, it's not a big deal. It just seems yeah. like to me the further you stray from the defaults, the more fiddling you have to do when you set up a new rig and the less comfortable you are when you sit down at a completely fresh rig for some reason. But, you know, as long as you can still get your work done, I suppose it doesn't really matter. It's just that's the only thing I worry about. Like, I, I like the one thing I did like about Windows 10, looking back at it, is – and Unity does this too, but just had a really, really fast launcher. It was way faster than Unity's. It seemed faster to me than Spotlight was. Um so I can understand installing Alfred, but I just wish Spotlight was a better launcher. So then you wouldn't have to add anything to the default install. That's just my opinion. Now, uh, Indie Tech Trekkie writes in and said, welcome back to the Microsoft drug, guys. All kidding aside, I think Windows 10 is pretty darn good. I love the Linux subsystem, which I've actually gone a bit crazy with and loaded GCC and, and G++. I have old C programs that I have – and I have a, a VC++ compiler that – I can also use. And if you're a fan of Qt, there are some awesome PowerShell scripts that make the static build far less painful to set up. I've, I haven't booted my MacBook Pro in a couple of months. Yeah. Well, if you're looking to buy a used MacBook Pro, maybe go contact Indie Tech Trekkie in the sub. He's there. Just go reply. Hey, I'll buy it from you. <laughs> so there you go. So there's one guy that said Windows 10 didn't work for me. One guy that wrote in that said uh, uh, that uh, uh, Windows 10 did work good. And then you know what? We had a good handful of people that said, I tried the same experiment. I also ended up on 1604. I think almost all of them went with Ubuntu 1604. I don't think I heard anybody say Fedora yeah. or Arch, which is interesting. Yeah, no, it was, so what's weird to me is a lot of people gave feedback ended up either on Ubuntu 1604 or mm-hmm. Mac OS. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Very few people ended up saying, yeah, Windows 10 all the way. And I got to be honest, the only laptop I took on my trip was my Mac. And the laptop I've been using day to day since has, in fact, been my drum roll. I'm going to say roll. lemur. <laughs> How about MacBook? Oh, Pro? Wow, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. All right. Well, then here's our last bit of feedback before we get right, into wait, it. Wait, wait. Are you really shocked? Or no. You, do you feel like you've seen this coming? Well, I, you know, if you didn't have iOS things to do, then I would be a little more surprised. But there's just a sort of a practicalness to it because the other thing about the MacBook is that you almost guaranteed if you bought one in the last three re- revisions, you're going to get a decent CPU and you're going to get really fast competitive storage, especially on the most recent ones. And so – that that is a good recipe for virtualization. That's a good recipe for building software. It's just a good mix there. So it's not surprising because it is competitive on those grounds. And then when you when you add an iOS app signing, um, it just seems like unless you could virtualize macOS to some sort of satisfying degree on other platforms, you don't really have a choice. Anything? I don't. Yeah, that's the problem. I found I, I, I was experimenting with all kinds of solutions to get around code signing, and the truth is, like, none of them work. Yeah, that, yeah. Yeah, maybe those will get better, too, right? You never know. All right, so last last email into the show here. Coding Cowboy says, hey, do you guys need help with the Roku app? Uh, it's been a while since I've done anything, but uh, I have written private channels for Roku. I mentioned recently that our Roku app is in disrepair and needs either to be completely replaced or... Or taken over, he says. Uh, for now, I get around the Roku channel by uh, using your torrent feeds and then streaming them to my Roku boxes via Plex. I think a lot of people do that. Or Cody, uh, he says it's not been too much trouble, but maybe I could build something around the torrent feeds for other shows and then a Roku channel for that. And 
uh, you guys could put it up on GitHub and the community could have access to it. Just let me know what I could do to help. Love these shows. Coding Cowboy. Coding Cowboy, if you wanted to start on a Roku project, uh, I would... I would boy would I love that. It'd be even greater if you were able to coordinate with the community. If you go to discord.me slash Jupiter Colony, we have a development section in there for Jupiter Dev and for Coda Radio. You can join the Jupiter Dev chat. Start talking with people as you build. You can as you create the repo, you can like, you know, sort of disclose and let everybody know right there. Uh, it's a good resource for all of that, and we would love to get the Roku app working because it seems like more and more people are getting Roku's. Because I've been hearing people say, Hey, the Roku app doesn't work. I know. And that's the problem when you don't build it yourself, but we just don't really have a development budget, you know? So we do rely on the community for those kinds of things and appreciate it very, very much. All right. So I guess um, I'll, give a, I'll give a little spiel for, uh, for feedback. If you want to get your feedback, the, probably the two best methods to get them in the show legitimately would be Twitter, adding Mr. Dominic or myself, um, and the subreddit, coderadio.reddit.com. Now, I know not every one of you are out there signed up with Reddit and Twitter accounts. You're not a big fan. So we also have good old email at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact, which uh, you can send us an email. We generally tend to uh, collate those because it's not necessarily as easy to link to it or put it up on the screen or whatever it is. So jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact if you want to send in an email. Now, before we get into uh, some hoopla for the week, which I think you're going to enjoy, Mr. Dominic, we will mention Linux Academy. Linuxacademy.com slash coders is where you go to support this show and sign up for a free seven-day trial. That's going to allow you to log into the platform, look at the different courseware, get an idea of what it's like to set a schedule, get an idea of what it's like to spin up the virtual machines or how long it's going to start a new course. It's a platform to learn everything about Linux and cloud stuff like uh, uh, OpenStack and uh, Azure, AWS, and all the things that come along with that too. Um, in fact, one of the things that I've heard a lot from people more is that they've switched over at their work. Uh, I was just mentioning recently that DeBell in the hair care channel in Discord said, hey, my company now just started a program that when you come work in our IT department, you get access to Linux Academy. It's great, too, because there's instructor mentoring. So if you get stuck, there's a real human being that can help you. There's public profile, sort of like a – almost like a GitHub page in style where you can complete your achievements and things like that. And you get to post it there and you can link that to prospective clients or employers. And They have video courses and downloadable study guides and, and lesson audio. And they have iOS and Android apps, a vibrant community stacked full of Jupyter Broadcasting members because they've been an advertiser here on this show for a very long time. It's just a, it's just a great fit. Because if you're building something on top of Linux, if you're building something that needs to run on a web platform or on Azure, AWS, or if you need to learn the essentials and the basics about a Linux system, this is a great resource. And they're adding new stuff all the time. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. And a big thank you. Thank you to Linux Academy. LinuxAcademy.com slash coders. Thank you, everybody, for going to that URL, too, and supporting the show. So this is how unicorns trick you into thinking you're real. This is a great article. And I just highlighted a few things that Mr. Dominic found it. And I read through it. and I was like, yeah, this is what's going on. It's all smoke and mirrors here. So unicorns aren't real. And neither are the valuations ascribed to many of the startups that say they're worth a billion or more. All right. And let's let this sink in for a second. About half of the private companies with valuations exceeding 1 billion, known as unicorns, wouldn't have earned that mythical title without the use of complex stock mechanics, according to a study by business professors at the University of British Columbia and Sanford University. 
The chasm between public and private valuations is a topic of increasing prominence following several disappointing listings. Among them is a company you may have heard of, Blue Apron, which traded well below the price venture capitalists paid in the fundraising round. An often overlooked explanation for the divide is actually buried down in the investor contracts. Blue Apron, which, deliver meals, which delivers meal kits to, to customers at home and then you just assemble the meal, uh, gave stock preferences to some shareholders in 2015 in exchange for a $2 billion valuation, according to the study. Now, a convertible loan this year included a provision that offered equity at a discount to the IPO share price, and investors took advantage of that mechanism. Now, there's other things. There's other tricks, too. Another common tool is known as a ratchet. It allows private backers to boost up and get more shares if a company fails to meet a target share price in an IPO. So they all of a sudden, boom, get a whole bunch of more shares. That happened to Square when they went public. And there are several others. The study looked at 116 quote-unquote unicorns and found that after 1994, with an average valuations of $2.7 billion, wow, researchers found that 11% of companies, including HomeAway and SolarCity, use preferential stock to boost their valuations to more than twice what they would be worth using this study's fair value estimates. And this is super important, I think, because this is what contributes to the big hype bubble about quit your job, build an app, and go yeah. huge. Yeah, so, 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 you know, in our little political rant that we'll get lots of feedback on, mm. that's fine, thank you, um, we're not going to, I mentioned real money versus, you know, play money, right? That's the difference, right? It's, it's real money on the public market. It's play money for a lot of these venture capitalists. And it's even more real money if you're a true small business. Okay, I completely agree so far, yeah. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's and then so, and then of course these people that are giving you money stack it in their favor with these with these clauses and these ratchet agreements. I mean, it's like a the ratchet backs. Yeah, it, it. I would actually say I don't have a lot of sympathy for the founders here, because they do more than that. They hurt legitimate small businesses that just don't have the capital to like buy the marketing power that they have. Yeah, but come I in, put yourself in their place for a second. I mean, imagine that somebody comes in and starts sweet talking you and saying, you know, we could invest a couple million dollars into this place. How do you, you know, after you, after so years and years that, of getting by, world, how do you turn that down? So, well, one on a seed round, that world basically doesn't exist anymore. Yeah, I agree. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and I did have someone offering us some money, and I said no because it just isn't enough money. Mm. <laughs> like, <laughs> like the problem with venture capital right now is That's, since the market. Well, no, since the market has cooled, you're like, okay, if you could get like FU money to operate your business for two or three years and build a product, great. But if you're only going to get like $200,000, $300,000, that's not enough with developer salary. Like you're just, you're just not going to make it. It does feel like though this contributes to a hype bubble in a way that um, sort of perverts a market. It perverts a, a, a community. You know, there's like a there's a real in in California in particular, there's a real culture down there about uh, changing the world. You know, my startup's going to change the world. We're we're the Uber for food. We're the Uber for groceries. It's there's a real. I I I am not insulting the good people of San Francisco again. I got some heat for that. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, All right. So that's Hoopla number one. Uh, But yes, I agree completely. I would say check it out. Uh, we have a link in the show notes if you care. But I want to move on to something that got people more fired up. Speaking of your Twitter feed today, this got quite a bit of uh, uh, um, replies. Google is pulling its YouTube stuff 
and I say stuff because it's not just yeah. the Amazon TV, but it's also like on the uh, on the Echo Show, which I don't know if that's considered an app, but no more YouTube on Amazon devices. And Google is not happy. Now, of course, Amazon's Prime Video Service, which I guess technically does compete with YouTube, hasn't been made available for Chromecast, so you can't can't Chromecast it. Um, Amazon doesn't sell the Chromecast, has recently removed the Nest. So the supposed issue here from a – I mean you can read this on like a bunch of sources, TechCrunch, whatever, um, is is not that Google gives a shit that you can't watch YouTube on the Amazon devices because really who would? It's that Amazon won't sell the Google devices. Yeah, the Nest and the Home on the holidays too, which I'm sure they're extra upset about. Which I – is a weird thing for me. I mean, I, I'm curious how you feel about this, but this is a, you know, I can see both sides where like Amazon is using their increasing dominance over one market, yeah. online retail sales. Yeah. To to I mean, frankly, Amazon Video sucks, right? I mean, if you've ever used it, mm-hmm. it is by far the lowest quality video service of the major ones. I mean, Apple, iTunes is people bitch about iTunes. iTunes is much better. Well, and I think iTunes is the second worst. So Amazon took the first shot by uh, never enabling Chromecast support, which is a which would be a good feature for their customers. And they also took the first shot by never selling the home and by taking the Nest off the shelves. So I guess that's three first shots. So uh, I'm, all, I'm all on board about some Google hate here, but let's be real. Who, has, who is the repeat offender? Who's, which company can you still not buy audiobooks or Kindle books on iOS because they don't like that platform? And they just crapped out no 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 i know why hold on let me finish no hold on i'll get there i'm getting there and they also just crapped out a real piece of junk apple tv app uh which is a real shame because hulu actually managed to show them up which is pretty pathetic and the the the, what google or what amazon has a history of is not accepting the rules of the playground of the play field that they're in so they you know if they want to what are you talking about? It is user hostile not to support Chromecast. It is user hostile to not let me user buy Kindle. Hostile. It is 100%. The users are the victim. Because Amazon doesn't want to pay a cut to Apple, I can't buy books. A because cut, Amazon – 30% is not a cut. 30% is is mafia-style extortion. I agree. I agree it's not, I agree it's not appropriate. But I'm saying that's the, them's the rules. Uh, and then the other okay. thing is, is that what about this Chromecast stuff and not selling, ever selling the Google Home and taking the Nest off? These are all – like these are repeat offenses. It, it, to me, kind of seems like – if you look at Google, they have a history of basically doing the best they can on any major platform. In fact, to a degree where I think some of their – are you so? I think some of their iOS apps are better than some of the Android apps. Like it takes them a while, but eventually they are. <laughs> All right, I'll let you finish. I'm gonna, I'm just going to mute and let you finish. Then I'm going to go. Okay, that's fine. So okay, so what was one of the first apps that shipped for Apple TV? One of the first apps that shipped for Apple TV. What was it? It was YouTube. One of the one of the one of the first Maps applications. One of the first search applications on iOS. It was Google. And the thing is, is like if you look at the Google app, if you look at Google Maps, sometimes there are feature disparities. But over time, the iOS apps become extremely competitive versions of the Google app. Like the Inbox app is great on iOS. Like they don't um, cripple their competitors' platform version of their apps like Amazon does. Amazon intentionally cripples the apps. Google's like, all right, well, if we're going to play in this field, then we're going we're gonna to follow the rules and we're going to make the best app we can so that way we get them on our services. Where Amazon is looking at, well, we just want to sell you shit and we want to make the highest margins possible. And those two different motivations are resulting 
resulting in I believe Amazon being the hostile force in this situation because they 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 are they've played hardball with Apple. They they had to, the rumor has it if you if you believe John Gruber, the rumor has it that they had to get very special exceptions to get the Apple TV app to ever even ship, including like some some great story about the hoopla that they all had to go through to even make the Apple TV app ship. I don't know what it is. He doesn't either, but he says there's some great story there. And then you look at the fact that they're not selling these products. I I, I conclude my case saying Amazon seems to be the obvious aggressor here. Okay. So first of all, I don't like the use of the term aggressor. This isn't like the Vikings roll over the innocent monastery here. This is Godzilla versus Mothma versus Godzilla number two, right? Yeah. I mean, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all they're all a bunch of behemoths. I agree. I'm, I'm just gonna like go through my hate list in alphabetical order. Uh, Amazon has basically hollowed out retail, right? Um, and and they continue. And you are correct in your criticism. Like they continue to violate people's rules. And remember when they do remember their, the they remember want. remember the big hoopla we covered when they launched their app store and they just determined when the apps were going to be essentially free. Right, because because really Amazon has taken the commoditize your compliments uh, or yeah, you commoditize your compliments business rule and made it like an article of faith, right? Like all businesses that sell on Amazon are there solely for the purpose of serving Amazon. Yeah, they may not know it; they may think it's a great channel, but it, more and more Amazon's taking control, uh, particularly with their pricing on Alexa, where they give better pricing to products that sell on Alexa. Yeah, and they forced that on some of their retailers. <laughs> but, oh, you triggered my, <laughs> you triggered my lady tube. You gotta be, you hey, just gotta baby. call it Echo or Lady Tube. That's, that's no, the, I call her Alexa every time. Cancel. Um, let's let's talk about Apple for a moment. Who promotes and more importantly demotes or unpromotes or delays developers and content producers they don't like, uh, like this show. Yeah, but then look what yeah, I agree, and that has and I, I know, but yes, okay. That I'm not. Like I guess I'm not trying to make a defense. Model had to, I mean, just hang on, hang on. I, I, I gave you time. All right. Since you're painting me as an model. iOS platform defender, I wasn't. No, to, I'm not painting okay. you as that. I'm painting right. you as naive. <laughs> like part of the <laughs> okay, reason. Fair enough. Okay. Part, part of the reason I turned away from like pure iOS development was I got the message when my Mac updates took thirty to forty-five days to go through. Right, mm-hmm. and Coda Radio got thrown off the feature chart. That, and I started getting ripped apart by Mac developers and reviews. I got the message, yeah, that you know by popular like bloggers that you are not part of the club. Get the fuck out. Like, I, listen, if I was a wasp, I would love the old English clubs where you sit and drink scotch all day and like you know because your daddy was a knight, you do all this shit. That's what the Apple community is. Yeah, I agree. It, Google is even worse. I find the Apple community more insulting because it's a little more personal for me. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. The, the Google the Google idea is worse. Nothing matters except data. And if you can make money, great. If you can't, meh. You know, we're gonna make a free version of your product anyway in a, in a month. So they're all evil, and I would say that they're all equally evil. Like I have a little bit of sympathy for Apple in this case because you know what I. I wish I would have made different – like I, I, I might, if I could look back, have censored the show yeah. to stay in favor. 
You know, but I see this as Amazon Sherlocking a video service because they have their own competitor now. And so it's like it makes the Amazon platform just as hostile. Um, and not that this is a big surprise, but it makes it just as hostile and risky because if they decide to, you know, I mean, what, who's to say that next isn't ring once the Amazon key starts selling like crazy, they could, they could take ring doorbell off the marketplace. Uh, it just seems like a, a pretty dangerous and precedent. Yeah, people who are their former employees in the app store. Yeah. But at least when, you know, <laughs> like coverage of them on well-read Apple blogs. Right. But at least when they launch a, a new redone version of Safari, they don't pull Google Chrome from the app store. See, see. It's it's not. First of all, they do pull Google. Google Chrome has never been on the App Store. Google no, Chrome, even oh. version of Chrome on the App Store is not really Google okay. Chrome. Okay. All right. Okay. Fair. It's a version of it's, it's like a compromise. Yeah, it's a compromise. Yeah. So to, you're really making a fictitious argument, and I would even go further in saying that at least Amazon's honest. Amazon says, "Yeah, fuck you. You're a competitor. We don't want you there." Apple says, "Oh no, you can be here, well, but you know we're going to really review your apps, and if we find are something, though? are they though? Because here's what Google says. This is Google side. Google says we've been trying to reach an agreement with Amazon to give consumers access to each other's products and services, but Amazon doesn't carry Google products like Chromecast or Google Home, and doesn't make Prime Video available." for Google Chromecast users, and they last month stopped selling the Nest latest products. Given this lack of rapidity, recipity, uh, we are no longer supporting YouTube on the Echo Show and Fire TV. We hope we can reach an agreement to resolve these issues soon, which is why I also think they set it towards January, is because they're hoping that they can just get a reaction and uh, fix it. But even right now, if you launch the app, uh, Chris Simpson tweeted this, he, he waited three years to get a Fire TV in Canada. They, fi- they finally go on sale. He launches the YouTube app for the first time, and he gets an error message that says, starting on January 1st, 2008, the YouTube app will not be available on this device. You can continue to enjoy your favorite creators and videos in many other ways. Please visit, and they give a Goog short URL, for the list of devices you can use. And this is coming up now when you launch it on the Fire TV. Uh, and you know, that's a real shitty thing. That's a real shitty user experience when you've been waiting three years to buy a fire TV, you plug it into your TV, you launch YouTube and you get that. (sighs) The only thing is, is everybody's the users, the users and developers are the losers here. That's what it is. And it just drives me crazy. this, This is a lot like the whole net neutrality thing, right? Should the platform owner be the content provider? And the real problem is Amazon owns a retail platform and they are now a content provider. Yeah. Well, actually, the provider of a content platform. So Amazon's got it like Meta, right? They own the hardware, right? The the tubes that goes through the software on top of that, and in some cases, they own the actual content. Massive massive scale streaming is locked up. I think at this point, between Amazon and Netflix and Hulu and YouTube, nobody could launch an independent video network anymore. The only person that can compete now is somebody that has essentially a business model where streaming video is a secondary benefit to having huge data centers and unbelievable bandwidth. It's getting yeah. really locked up. Well, it's like all markets, right? The big, like even like the app development market. Like I bitch about Apple, but really Apple's not the one who screwed that up. Eventually, the big companies came in and said, "Yeah, actually, we do think that apps should cost like three million dollars to make, and yeah, we're going to just like invest more than you can." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Out, yeah, I guess, I guess so. Yeah, Apple didn't make them do that. Um, I don't know where to go from here. Just other than it seems like as a as a user, 
or as a developer, you're left with this um, with this like matrix in your head of which devices now work with which services, which ones are capable of easily deploying your software to and are have a low barrier of entry for users, which ones don't, which ones support, say, skills and which ones support. It's just the matrix is huge if you map it all out. Which ones can play Spotify versus which ones can play YouTube versus which ones can play Amazon Prime Music or Google Play Music and uh, which ones can play Apple Music. Like it's just this huge – like if you look at any aspect of it, it is too complex to work. It's too complex for the consumer. They are killing this LadyTube market. They are murdering all of this by adding too much complexity. It is worse than cable television because at least at cable, there was just some really ridiculous price you paid for and you just got everything, even the stuff you didn't want. But now with all of this shit – you could you can buy a three hundred dollar lady tube and another three hundred dollar lady tube and they can't even do the same stuff. It's there's there's no end to the, and they all have different services attached to them to even make them useful. There's no end to the cost and there's no end. Wow, to the, it sounds like you're suggesting open standards. What I'm suggesting is what went from a really practical, useful like I can use it to control my studio and automate my RV. And there's tons of I think ripe, low hanging fruit for developers around there is now going into this convoluted uh, um, dumpster fire that is going to turn consumers off. That low-hanging fruit was never there because there's never a good way to monetize it. I I, I think that – you know, I've, I've said this before uh, and I, I say it again is I think there is a way. I just don't think Amazon has a way. I think Google and Apple have a way. You, you attach it to the existing app stores because all these things have companion right. apps. It's an in-app purchase. It's an in-app purchase. It's a you enable enable support. Here's an app. You've had this app for years. Your to-do app. I like things. I love things. Say say things came out and said for three ninety nine you can integrate HomePod. Um, I I would I would absolutely hit that button for Android or for iOS or for whatever. Say say the first part again. It cut out a little bit. I already have to be on the app market then, so I already have yeah. to be on the Google Play market yeah. or the iOS market. Yeah. So, but see, that's I just like that's wrote. just like saying you have to be on there to make a watch app or a or a wear app. You forgot who wrote it? Was it a? I oh my god! Uh, Surfing at the pleasure of the king. That really famous blog post from a few years ago. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Um, at the time, I really agreed with it, and people told me I was crazy, but. It was coding horror. So it was, uh, yeah. What is it, Jeff? Uh, oh, but geez, I, I apologize. I can't remember his last yeah, name. Yeah. If you remind me, I can search for it and put it in the show notes later. Yeah, I have the link. I just can't find his name. Oh, okay. He was complaining about Apple's policies as a Microsoft guy, seeing how foreign they were. But the reality is, everybody has adopted that model now. Which model is that? Basically, the this is our sandbox. You just playing it. Oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's weird for me, like, because, like, I have railed against Apple and what I perceive as both, like, personally being treated unfairly and, you know, their general treatment of, like, people they don't like. Yeah. They're actually, they're so petty that it doesn't matter. Right? Like, the way to avoid, if you are a, you know, 18-year-old future podcaster and developer, is just don't, like, say anything bad about Apple and they will be nice to you. Mm Mm-hmm. You can't undo pissing them off, but you can certainly like avoid it. Yeah, and you can. But there like, are ways to get into clicks too, right? There are like you could uh, if you have the like, money, if you can go to WWDC, if you can say the right things on Twitter and wear the right outfits, you could be part of the click. You could make it part. 
too, right? You need to like, if you're slightly younger as I was, you need to kind of kiss the ring a little bit, yeah. right? You need to take a more submissive whatever position. But here's the thing, though. Uh, this is probably true to a degree for all of these sandboxes, all of these playgrounds, and the, the West Point. Apple is actually the least pernicious of all of these now, because app. You know what Apple wants? They're run. They're basically in a marketing shop, right? They are run by their desire to keep their image. Google and Amazon are much more evil, like particularly yeah. Amazon, who wants to not just put developers out of business. They want to put like your local grocery store out of business, like your yeah. local Target. Or yeah, Publix apps or... as a service. Yeah, I agree. And the other thing too that to, if you want to if you want to game Apple, you make a decent looking app, and then when the new iPhone ten comes out, you you make a big update splash and say you know design for iPhone ten, and there's a pretty good chance you're going to get featured. Like it's a pretty easy game to play. Now I'm not making a defense of it again because what I want to come back to the bigger meta topic here to me is. They all want you all in. So if you're a, if you're an Amazon customer, then you go all in on stuff that only works with the Echo. It's like the music, the Amazon Prime streaming, the video. You get a Fire Stick TV. They expect you. What their dream is is that you go all in. Same with Apple. You get a phone. You get a Mac. You get a HomePod. You get an iPad. Uh, Microsoft has their same. You know, with oh, geez, my nose itches. Sorry. They all have their sort of like expectations that they're the only game in town that matters, and that they have all of the bases covered. So why wouldn't you just go all in? And the reality is, none of them have all the bases covered, so nobody can go all in on any of these things. And so it is a total cluster f. I go back to that because at the end of the day, it's going to kill the market. That is my point on it. I guess. I know I've said it, but it's just really upsetting to me because I went from a total hater and doubter. I think this is why I'm fired up about it, actually. I went from a complete doubter and denier that these lady tubes had any value. I mocked them. I doubted their security, their NSA surveillance devices. Uh, they're a trend. And then uh, when there was a sale, I thought, well, I like to really kind of, uh, you know, dog food this stuff because I, I – if I'm going to get a strong opinion about something, I really want to try it. That's why I always maintain like an Android device and an iPhone device. And I always try to make sure it's a, a Nexus device or a Pixel device that can get the latest updates. And I really try to to eat my dog foods so that way. When I come on this show with an opinion, it's, you know, Chris has probably formed that opinion because he tried it. Not because he read a comment thread somewhere. Not because he read uh, a review right. somewhere, but it's because he tried it. And so I sat down with these lady tubes when they put the dots on sale, like a three-pack or something. And yeah. uh, it changed the way I work. It, it changes the way I work every single day across the day. It changes the way I use my home. It, is, uh, it has... It has solved problems for me that I never even considered possible to solve. Um, so I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a convert in a way. And so it's really disappointing to see them just – their greed just totally devastate real opportunity. Is that really shocking to you? No, but damn it. Damn it. Like why are we still doing this in 2017? That's all. This is what happens on a Friday. See, I get all saucy. We haven't really well, we haven't really talked about why we're doing this on Friday. Do you want to do you want to talk about it in a minute? I could do a spot here, and then we could talk about why we're doing this on a Friday, and then I got an app pick we could yeah, do. Yeah, let's do that. Okay. Yeah. All right. So digitalocean.com. Go over there, create your account, and then apply our promo code Coder Digital. This will give you ten dollars in credit. Now, one of their rigs is just five dollars a month, so that's two months right there. You can also just use it hourly, including machines that have insane amounts of RAM and CPU speed. All of the systems have SSDs. They all have 40 gigabit connections. They're all using KVM as the virtualizer hypervisor where you can go in there and choose a distribution that works best for you or FreeBSD. 
You can get started in less than 55 seconds, too, which is nuts. Just little even, just maybe a year before we started this show, it took me two weeks to provision a server. It took me, and when we launched Jupiter Broadcasting, all of it was running on physical metal in racks that were machines that I had to maintain that took weeks. And if there was a problem, it took somebody going to the rack and hooking up a crash cart. And now you can deploy infrastructure in less than 55 seconds. You can expand the RAM as you need it. They have block storage or object storage, which is so simple and straightforward to use. Team accounts, if you're growing or want to work in a business. Monitoring and alerting that keeps you on top of metrics and lets you know if something's out. Load balancing as a service done at the network level, along with firewall rules you can apply. It's... It's really the whole package. But what's incredible about it all is they managed to wrap it all up with the best interface I've ever seen for doing this. It's the gold standard. DigitalOcean has a straightforward, simple API that you can build around as well. So if you're not a web person, you don't want to use a you don't want to use their website, you can use an app or you can use the command line stuff. It's just there's a so much there's so much there for, for people like uh, the Coder Radio audience. Just go over there, get started by using our promo code Coder Digital, create your account, and then play around. Just Create some systems. Destroy some systems. Go deploy NextCloud for a few minutes. Go go try out GitLab for a hot minute. It's great. DigitalOcean.com. Use the promo code CoderDigital. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring this here Coder Radio program. So before we get to the app pick of the week, which is pretty cool, came in uh, from Chaotic Kernel, who is crushing it in the subreddit right now. Crushing it. And so I had to uh, I had to grab the app pick. But why are we recording on a Friday? You've been traveling again. You a traveling man? On the road. Mm, you're back home now, I guess, or at the office or whatever. So you're done traveling. I'm in the office with my good coworkers, Charlie from Cuba, sure, Luis from Tampa, yeah, and some slave boy I found on the street. So you're saying this is like a boy run you went on? <laughs> <laughs> I went. Down the Horn of Africa. No, I'm kidding. Oh, you uh, went to California. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah, you know, my my good friend Matt Lauer recommended a young man to me. Oh, oh no, geez, no, no, no. Too soon. Too soon. <laughs> um, no, I, I was in New York, and uh, oh, okay. it was terrible. Oh, yeah? Cold Everything or what? was bad. First of all, I'm pretty sure people don't live that long up there anymore. Because mm. I think it's gotten 400 degrees colder. Yeah, I've heard it's really cold right now. Yeah, and also, uh, remember I went was going to that conference. Yeah, let me tell you about every session I went to. Uh oh, what? Dead air, dead air, dead air. So I didn't go. Oh, oh, okay. So you still went to New York, too? Correct. Okay, just for hookers and blow or what? <laughs> you got it. One. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, are you fooling me? What are you really up to? What's going on over there? Because I know you were I went, traveling, right? I went to some meetings, but I ended up not going to the conference. Hmm, yeah, okay. Fair enough. You know, you got to go with your gut on this stuff, especially as you start traveling more. Just got to go with the gut. You know, I didn't have the appetite to pretend to be nice. Yeah. Is really what happened, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, if you're a listener of the show, you might know that I'm already not nice, <laughs> but... Not everybody's a sort of the show, surprisingly, at these conferences, and they, they kind of expect me to be a person. I mean, what's that all about? Well, actually, and sometimes if you run into somebody that is a listener of the show, you know, you don't want to have them walk away with a bat. You don't want them to to meet you and be like, God, oh, that guy's a dick. <laughs> you know? I just say, you want to go to the bar? Yeah, there you go. Get, then just take the... I, get, 
give them some more time to warm up. Just give them some time. I've been spending five years setting the expectations really low. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So you ready for this uh, app pick? You ready for this? So it's kind of neat. You know, we've been talking about Visual Studio Code on and off. It seems to be getting a lot more love. So this is Thea, a cloud and desktop IDE that's Visual Studio inspired. Now, the team that wrote this was trying to solve a problem for themselves. They like Visual Studio Code, but they they wanted something that could be web hosted. Uh, I, I think it might be TypeScript here, but anyways, I'll get to that. They wanted something that could be web hosted and containerized. So that way they could spin up a container for each project they're working on with this web-hosted cloud IDE. Uh, So it's Thea, an extensible platform for developing full-fledged multi-language cloud and desktop products with state-of-the-art web technologies. It's early days, but it's got a modern GUI with JavaScript UI libraries, support for multiple languages and debug server protocols, uh, provide end user with full-fledged multi-language IDE. It's not just a smart editor. And it looks nice. It actually looks a lot like Visual Studio Code with the uh, – I don't think you could call it IntelliCode, but uh, with the same style of code prediction and stuff like that. It's nice. And you can find a link in the show notes. It's up on GitHub, Thea IDE, and uh, it's also linked in the coderadio.reddit subreddit. And I'm pretty sure – did you know Visual Studio Code is written in TypeScript too? Did you, are you aware? But I'm pretty sure this is as well. I, I didn't actually dig in, but I'm – Yeah, I deny that completely. Let's see here. I wonder. Using they have a they have a front end code from they have some code from Visual Studio for the front end or something. Anyways, it could be worth digging into. It looks pretty cool. Thea, I like it. Kind of sounds like a dog name, actually. Uh, all right, Mister Dominic, we just did a Friday show. Now, are we gonna? What do you want to do next week? Should we pick it back up on Monday and just kind of do them back to back? Get back to our regular flow. Monday, Monday, Monday. You want to go back yeah. to Monday at our regular time? Monday. So that Monday. is uh, that's noon Pacific, three p.m. Eastern. Over at uh, right. jblive.tv. Join us for the Monday show. Get in the chat room and uh, hang out with us. And we'll be back to our regular time now that Mike's no longer a traveling man. Uh, anything else you want to uh, plug skis or mention before we uh, hit the road? This is, uh, this is your last moment. Um, no, but All I'll right. have some fun stuff Monday. Tell, okay. Tell them where to find you in the meantime. Tell them uh, where, the, where the URLs are. Uh, go to at Tumanuku on Twitter and themadbotter.com. Boom. Boom. Pro level, ladies and gentlemen. Pro level. All right. You can also go to that subreddit, coderadio.reddit.com, the live stream at jblive.tv, the times converted to your time zone at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. And uh, you can also tweet us. I'm at Chris LAS and uh, at Jupiter Signal for the network. And we'll see you right here, you know, not uh, not even a week from now. Like, we'll see you right back here in like three days. Have a good weekend.